The Lazy Person's Book Club presents... You can blame it on the season, blame it on the weather, all blame it for no reason. On a feather you can... Blame it on Hoboken. It's the funny, music-fueled, modern love story with a touch of mystery set in Frank Sinatra's hometown. Today's episode, Rewind. Brought to you by... Bop. Shop. Bop. Shop. Bop. Shop. At Rock and Robbins. Bop. Rock and Robbins Retro and Resale in the heart of Niwot, Colorado. Shop. Shop. Previously on Blame It on Hoboken, New York City tour guide Carolyn Cates decides to use an ancient math formula to find true love after her boyfriend, William, leaves her. Join us one day earlier as Carolyn leads a tour group of high school students through her favorite landmark, the grave of the 19th century poet Enid Hobb, located in a little churchyard in Greenwich Village. She is blissfully unaware of William's defection. Three facts about Enid Hobb. Anyone? Come on, nothing is too grave to sight. Oh. A boy with a blue crew cut raised his hand. Well, this is Enid's gravesite, and those are the lyrics to the arrow song One, in Gravestone. Two, three. Technically? My arrow heart thrice twice to me. It's a poem, Four, not a five, five, six. six. Never knew I feel like this. Not a song. My one true love eternal. A few months earlier, a young pop star set Enid Hobbs' poetry to music. Her song, Arrow of Love is the number one song of the spring. Well done, my friends. Reverend Evans, head of the church, applauded the students from the rectory doorway. Enid Hobb was a fascinating woman who lived a fascinating life. And you have the perfect guide in Miss Cates to take you through it. Will you be joining us on Thursday, Caroline? I will. Optimus. Students, farewell and fair weather. May your discoveries be instructive and inspiring. Back to Enid Hobb. Do you all see the heart with the three arrows carved into the side of her headstone? The Latin inscription beside it, it reads, Ab Amor Eternus, which means... My one true love eternal. It's, it's just like the song, poem, whatever. The person who carved this symbol was Enid Hobb's eternal love. But who was he? Carolyn led the group across the street to a three-story brick townhouse. This house will reveal Enid Hobbs true love's identity. Can any of you see a connection between this building and Enid's story? The house was built the same year that Enid Hobb died. Yes, and that fact leads us to Enid Hobbs' funeral. Hundreds of famous people mourning a brilliantly talented friend. Well, that sucks. A girl wearing a necklace of keys shook her head. Ignore her, ma'am. Little Miss Key to nothing, double majors in gloomy studies and total buzzkill. Am I right, team? Hold on a second, you guys. I want to hear what Wendy has to say about Enid Hobbs' all-star funeral. Really? Yeah. I'd always thought of Enid Hobb as this, like, cool Victorian loner. But it seems that she was popular. That's nice for her. I wouldn't want her to be lonely, but it sucks for me. A loner, I can relate to. But popular people stick to their own kind, and I am not their kind. You're right, that does suck. Actually, you guys have found the key to Enid's story. It's all about being different. 
Enid Hobb was extremely shy in person, but she corresponded with some very famous people. Still, she remained a very private person at heart. And that brings us back to this house and its mystery. The architect who built this house bragged about his clients normally, but this commission was different. He refused to share the owner's name. On move-in day, people lined up at dawn to see who would take ownership of this beautiful home. They waited for hours in vain, and then a man walked up to the house from the churchyard across the street. He was wearing a bridegroom's outfit, white pants, gray vest, royal blue coat, but he had no bride. Mm. This story is getting better. And this brideless groom was, any guesses? The, the architect? Yeah. The brideless architect opens the front door of his new creation and disappears inside. A few minutes later, he reappears in the third floor window. He looks out for several minutes and disappears inside. What was he doing? People asked that for decades. Could we skip to the answer? We have to write a report on what we learned today. Well, 20 years later, the architect dies in his study, in his favorite chair, facing the window. He's holding a handwritten poem in his hand. The inscription at the top reads, Ab amor eternus eternus. To my one true love eternal. The same words Enid's lover engraved on her headstone. Do you mean the architect was Enid's lover? <laughs> Duh. Loser. If she's a loser, sign me up for the losing team. Could we please get back to Enid Hobb? Sorry. Sorry. Now, the architect and Enid were scheduled to be married on the day the architect moved into this house alone. They'd kept their relationship secret up to this point. So what about the big discovery? Would you let the lady talk? Suck up. Retrovert. What? That's Latin for shut up and listen. Really? The architect went out of town for business a few weeks before the wedding. It was something he did all the time. But before he left, he gave Enid a ring and she wrote him a poem using the symbol they had created to illustrate their bond. The, the arrow and the heart. Exactly. The first arrow stands for Enid. The second arrow stands for the architect. The third arrow is love. Aww. Aww. It was a beautiful plan. Well, what changed it? Cholera. Enid died while the architect was riding home. Okay, now this story really sucks. Where's the redeeming element? The twist that's supposed to give you hope for some kind of happily ever after in your own life. Look at the window outside the architect's study. <gasps> the words ab amor eternus eternus were carved in the stone outside the window. And then... <gasps> A beam of light illuminated the heart of stone. That's like magic. It's refraction. The, the light's coming from something on Enid's grave. A small piece of metal at the base of the stone reflects light from Enid's gravestone to this window each day. Each time it happens, Enid and her architect reconnect thanks to the power of... Love. Physics. I like your style. Thanks. It was time now for the students of Hillendale High to head back to school. Carolyn leads them to the subway. Wendy and another girl chat en route. Who do you think will play Enid in the movie? Why does there have to be a movie? Because it's romantic. If you'd ever been in love, you'd understand. Huh. Is that so? 
Down on the subway platform, the students boarded their train. That voice on the public address system of the subway sounded so familiar, Carolyn thought as she left the station. Back on the street, it was a beautiful day. Until she opened her apartment door and found William's note. William was a man of few words. Carolyn read and reread those words for hours. Looking for a little distraction, Carolyn pulled a box of old things from her hall closet. She found a plush stuffed animal and her old high school yearbook with a math assignment tucked inside. Euclid's proof of perfect numbers. According to Euclid, a perfect number was the product of a prime number and a square. Could that proof apply to love? Carolyn was 31 years old, a prime. Love was the perfect number. All she needed was a square man to create a true and lasting love. Goodbye, William. Hello, Euclid. We conclude this episode of Sharon Glassman's Novel with Songs, Blame It on Hoboken, available for purchase in physical and digital formats at SharonGlassmanLive.com. This episode features, in alphabetical order, Nina Raleigh as Wendy and Girls, Connor Magyar as Announcer and the Boy with the Blue Hair, Jim Walker as Reverend Evans and the Impatient Student, and Sharon Glassman as Carolyn Cates and Narrator. The songs of Blame It on Hoboken are written by Sharon Glassman and produced by Eric Tureen. Join us next week, same time, same location, for another music-filled episode of Blame It on Hoboken. Blame It on Hoboken comes to you from Studio 2B or Not To Be in Longmont, Colorado and is syndicated on the Longmont Compass. 